Hi, Kenny. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Erin? Hanging in there. Just hanging in there. So have you read anything interesting lately? Well, I got an article about why women cheat. When I got it, I was like, who has time? We're in a pandemic. The people that I talk to, they are imagining and fantasizing about cheating, but they themselves don't have the time, energy, or know-with-all to go out and cheat because they're stuck at home with their families. I I mean, the conversation is coming up more. I'm not sure if it's about them cheating during the pandemic, because I think people are being sexual during the pandemic. Like there was another article, it was in the My Essay News. It was a study. San Antonio is among the top 10 cities looking for kinky partners amidst the pandemic. And so there's an app that's being used and San Antonians are very active, actively searching online for people. So I'm wondering if some of these women are using that app and getting out there and meeting people, using other apps. But when we have these conversations in sessions, it's interesting to hear the comments from women, like the reasons that they cheat. They're very different than the reasons that men cheat very different and women don't usually even describe it as cheating they they talk around it they talk around it or they'll say that they have an encounter or some sort of relationship they'll call it something other than cheating but it's very interesting the reasons that they do it i believe it i actually read some of this in esther perel's book the state of affairs rethinking infidelity Mm -hmm. she even noticed that the rate of cheating like it had gone up 40 percent since 1990 like the rate had gone up and so since then things have changed like women are feeling more empowered they're able to support themselves financially and so even if the marriage were to end they're in a better financial position to take care of themselves and so it's like they'll take the risk and what i heard in a session just this week i had this couple in a session And so to hear the wife describe to the husband her reasons for it and then to see the light bulb go off over his head, that was phenomenal to me. She said that she has to wear all of these hats every day. Somebody always wants something from her. You know, if it's not the kids, you know, wanting her to be a nurse and a mother and, you know, a chauffeur and a chef and a planner. And then she has all the household duties and then she's a supervisor at work. And so then people are always demanding things and wanting things from her. And then as a wife, she's always felt from a religious perspective that it's her duty as a wife to give something to her husband or do things for her husband, take care of him. And she said there's not an area in her life where she's not taking care of somebody or doing something for someone else. And so when she cheated she said her sex drive went up she felt like a new person you know at first she thought she spent the last several years with no libido and she couldn't understand why she'd gone to therapist after therapist she'd gone to the doctors and they couldn't figure out what it was but then when she started this affair and didn't feel the pressure of doing something for somebody or taking care of anybody and somebody was actually doing for her she said her libido went up and she just felt like a different person. What are your thoughts on that? I think that it is not uncommon 
you know, caregivers burnout. And even though like in her everyday life, you know, she may not be in the medical field, but what she was experiencing as being a caregiver is that she was feeling burnt out. And as a, yes. as a therapist, we encourage people to restock their bucket. You're giving, giving, giving. You need to restock your bucket or things can go off the deep end. So she restocked her bucket, not in a conventional way by Western standards, but it makes sense to me. And to hear you say that her partner kind of like got it, like he understood mm-hmm. what it was that she was searching for and what she obtained by having the relationship outside of their marriage. That's a mm-hmm. pretty in tune couple because some people don't even recognize why it is that they are cheating. That word always makes me like kind of cringe. As you and I have talked about before, it means that there's a cheater and a cheaty, like someone's been victimized in some way when really it doesn't always have to be that way. When she made the decision to pursue other avenues of fulfillment outside of her relationship. What now for, maybe not necessarily for that couple, but once that realization happens that you're looking for either wellness or to be seen outside of the relationship and your bucket's been full, then what? How do you keep that fullness in your relationship or are we looking towards a society where monogamy is not necessarily a thing? And that's an interesting whole nother thing because with a lot of these women, they don't necessarily want the stigma that's associated with what they think is an open relationship. Because you remember people use those words interchangeably. They'll say open relationships, swinging, consensual non-monogamy, and they'll use all of those words interchangeably, and they're not the same. All of them are under the umbrella. It's consensual non-monogamy or ethical non-monogamy, and you just have some form of that. But women, when they're unfaithful in their uh, long-term relationships, they're not really wanting that because they're thinking that there's there's a stigma associated with it. And there's work that has to be involved with maintaining that. So I'm hearing that too, that they're not really wanting that particular thing. It's, you know, what they're wanting is very specific and something else that I've noticed. And it's backed up by this article. A lot of times a woman's love language, her top love language is acts of service. And many times in the relationships or the marriages, the division of labor isn't equal. There's a correlation between equal division of labor and better sex. And I don't think people get that. And we say that in therapy. You know, I say that to a lot of husbands, you know, hey, if you are engaging in more acts of service, then she feels sexier or she feels more inclined to be sexual because then she's not going to feel like it's a chore. You know, it'll be fun for her. It won't feel like, okay, well, this is just another thing that I have to do like mopping the floor or loading the dishwasher. And I've actually heard women saying that. For them, it's like, okay, I've done all of this stuff today or I've done all this stuff this week. All right, now I've got to do this for this guy. You know, I've got to suck his dick. I've got to have sex with him. And then she's laying there the whole time thinking of, okay, well, I've got to take the laundry out of the washer. I've got to unload the dishwasher. I've got to mop the foyer. 
got to do all these things. Oh, okay, he's finished now. He can get off of me and I can go do these other things. You have no idea how many times women say this kind of stuff. And then they'll say, okay, well, I don't think I have a libido or his libido is higher than mine. When really, I don't think that that's what it is. The division of labor is not equal or they're being caregivers on too many levels. And so they don't feel like they're being cared for. And so that's what they get when they're seeking a relationship outside of the marriage. And I've heard women also say things like, they like flirting with people online or posting pictures and getting compliments. It doesn't mean that they're leaving their marriages, but they like the feeling of that. I heard a young lady say the other day, and she was in the session with her husband, and he said, but I tell you that. I always tell you that I love your body, and I love you, and you're beautiful. And she looked at him and said, but yeah, you have to say that because we're married. You know that's going to make me feel good, and we're married, and I appreciate you saying that, but it feels different. It feels better when strangers look at me and say, wow, she's a beautiful woman or look at her hair, or look at her body, or whatever. She said it's just an exhilarating feeling to have somebody that you don't know say something like that. So those kind of things are coming up in sessions. And it just sounds like women are just being more assertive with what's going on in their heads now. With that being said, I mean, I know in the article, it's talking about you know the physical act of engaging in a sexual relationship with somebody. But there's other aspects of, and we've talked about what does cheating look like and how do different couples define cheating or mm -hmm. extramarital affairs or things of that nature. For those couples that you were describing in session, it's the excitement of having somebody look at you and acknowledge you for more than just what you can give to them. Right. It's that idea that in me being in my own skin, I am valuable and alluring and sexy. And it's not mm -hmm. just you giving me a compliment so that I would finish doing these chores around the house and then service you as well. That's right. what we were taught day in and day out. You know, this is happy wife, happy life kind of attitude or thought process that leads me to think about the idea of having an affair without the physical touch of the affair mm -hmm. and how that's happening and playing out in the pandemic. Have you had any experiences with people having either virtual affairs and not actually having contact with the person that they're talking to? Oh yeah, definitely. There's a whole lot of that. <laughs> and that's really what I'm talking more about. You know, during the pandemic, that's how it's being done. And it's not always getting on dating sites. You know, just some of the social activities that are that people are doing virtually. You know, meeting people, people that you happen to meet out in public. There are a number of ways. But yes, people are interacting a whole lot more virtually than ever because we don't have a choice. But this, it's definitely a way to carry on an emotional affair or an intellectual affair, most definitely. And something else that I've heard from military wives is sometimes they don't see that their husbands value them for anything other than being the mother of their children and being the person who supports their career as they have to PCS all over the place and being deployed and going through all of this for a 20-year career. And so I'll hear military wives say things like, well, he doesn't value me as a woman. He values me because I'm the mother of his children. He values me because when he's deployed, I hold down the fort 
for this household. I do the planning. I do all of these things. And that's the only value that I serve in this relationship. And so when I hear a woman say that, I'm like, man, that's kind of, that's sad. That's how you think of you. And that's what you think your spouse thinks of you. I can't imagine that when the active duty spouse hears that, you know, that they're pleased with it, but I don't know. And I can't picture how they go about changing their behaviors to address it with their partners because their career, it's not separate from their day-to-day life. Right. If they're active duty, they're on 24 Mm seven as opposed to a reservist or something like that. So Mm -hmm. here my partner is telling me that I feel like pretty much I'm the operations operator. I'm making sure that I get you where you need to be. And the active duty service member is like, yeah, but you're more than that. Mm -hmm. I just can't articulate how you're more than that because I've got to go to work now. It's a really interesting idea. And the article from the San Antonio, when you were talking about that, San Antonio being up there and looking for kink. Aaron, do you remember where we live and like how many military installments are here within <laughs> our city? I totally thought about that. I said, oh my God. So if San Antonio is among the top most active cities searching for online kinky partners during the pandemic, Okay, so a third of our population is military. At least a third of the population is military. And we've got like, what, 180,000 members of the military in Texas. And that's like the second largest in the nation. California's number one. So I'm like, hmm, what's up with this? I wonder who's on these kinky sites. And I wonder whose chain of command is going to get out of this article and be asking people, where in the hell are you guys going? <laughs> when I got it from you and I read that, I was like, hmm, let me count the bases. <laughs> yeah. Who's yeah. in and out of here like all the time? Not only do we have a strong military presence, but we have quite a few universities and colleges within our city as well. I found that if you're an airman, if you're in the Air Force, San Antonio is where you're stopped. So all of those recent grads and all of these recent high school grads just having opportunity. So I thought it was a really unique kind of thought and study, just kind of making them, hmm, who's doing what with whom? I thought it was pretty cool. What other topics do you have that you've been thinking about this week? I'm just looking at more of this, and it's astonishing. Okay, other cities listed in the ranking were Houston and Dallas, landing at number four and the number 10 spot, respectively. So, holy shit. Okay, so we have over, you know, California, like they're on fire over there. The whole state's on fire, and Colorado's on fire, too. And then we have hurricanes and floods and stuff going on in parts of the Gulf. And we got all this kink going on in Texas. Whoa. Houston, Dallas, and San Antonio. Okay. And I guess people are waiting for me to say which app it was because I haven't said that yet. Okay. This is an article that came out in my essay news and it came out on September the 10th. The article, it is, it's called Kink D. Kink D. D is in Delta. Kink D. Okay. Yes. So, and now I'm going to be asking people, 
because people are asking more kink questions. And so I'm wondering, is that the reason that those questions are coming out now? Because people are getting on the site. I'm curious. I'm very curious. And now I'm going to be asking these women too. Like, is that what they're looking for as well? When they're stepping out of the relationship, what are they looking for in particular? Because I haven't really asked that. Physical? Are they looking for the emotional? Are they looking just to be able to leave their cares at the door for this time that they and their lover are together just be taken care of? Like, is that the question? Yeah, I want to know what type of encounters are they looking for? Like when they're stepping out of the marriage, are they looking for rape fantasy and kink? Are they looking for role play or, you know, what are they looking for? And so, I get, yeah, that would be really interesting to know. If they play all of these roles within the household, you know, you have to be a wife, you have to be a mother and a chauffeur and a nurse, and you have to be the supervisor at work. So what would they be looking for specifically from a sexual perspective or an external relationship perspective? Would they be looking for something kinky? They have to be in charge all the time in the household. Would they be looking for a way to be submissive? I don't know. That would just be interesting to know. So I'm going to start asking those questions. I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued. Now, I want to make it clear. We are totally not encouraging anybody to be unfaithful in their relationships. We are not doing that. You should not do that. If you're going to have any relationships outside of your primary relationship, it needs to be done in the right way. Like it needs to be done using the standards associated with consensual or ethical non-monogamy, meaning there has to be a lot of communication and transparency and so forth. So we're not endorsing cheating. That's not what we're doing. So let's be clear. (laughs) we're just explaining or exploring the reasons that it happens because we don't usually talk about that. We talk about why men cheat, but we don't usually say anything about women, why they're driven to do it. And it's just very different reasons. Men, a lot of times will do it. It ends up being cheating or physical cheating because they want affirmation. Men are very affirmation driven creatures. I say that to guys all the time. Like they come to therapy for affirmation. They do. Most guys have words of affirmation as their primary love language. They want to be heard. and That has not been my experience. It's usually physical touch followed by one or two points behind by words of affirmation. Me personally, in the people that I have provided services to, mm-hmm. I can't recall one penis owner scoring words of affirmation as number one. It usually comes in number two. And with mine, it's the other way around. It's usually words of affirmation is one or it's tied with physical touch or physical touch is the second one because communication is usually poor in the relationship. That's interesting. I'm going to have to take another look at that too. Like just the way that developmentally the brain works between, you know, the different parties and how culturally we are raised like in a Western culture, regardless to your ethnicity It is that Mm -hmm. idea of when you marry or engaged in a relationship, even though we call it a partnership, quite frequently, we're looking for one person Mm -hmm. to be subservient and the other to be the dominant in the partnership. And it goes along with that saying of too many cooks in the kitchen. No, shit, there's enough cooks in the kitchen. 
we just all need to be doing something different. So whenever I hear that saying, it always makes my, my neck kind of like crinkle up because I'm like, no, I can't be cooking this turkey dinner by myself. You need to get your ass in here and help. I don't need you to be mashing potatoes. If I'm mashing potatoes, you need to be, you know, shucking some corn or something. But there needs to be more than one cook in this kitchen. Yeah. And something along those lines, you kind of touched on it, Kenny. It's about the different hats that are worn and expecting that one person is supposed to provide everything, all of your needs when you get into a relationship. Even though you wear a lot of hats, you're still expecting your partner to provide everything for you instead of having other friends to meet some of those needs. I think I have this conversation with couples a lot of times as well, that it's not logical to expect to be everything to this person or for that person to be everything to you. That's a lot of pressure to put on somebody. I mean, I really think that's why it's really important to have this conversation about why women choose to seek pleasure outside of their relationships. Because like you said, men, they're doing Mm -hmm. it for affirmation. They need that pat on the back, like, oh, you're doing a good job. The choices that you make, they are okay. They may impact some people, but not all people. And it's fine. It's fine. You're great. You're great. Whereas women, we are asked when we change our names to be all things to not only all people, whether we're a mom, a sister, a friend, a daughter, but now we're a lover and we're a seamstress and we're a cook and, Mm -hmm. you know, we're a therapist. That idea of getting to take a hat or two or 10 off Mm -hmm. just to be seen as a woman, as a sexual being, or to Mm -hmm. be seen as an academic. We compared to women 30, 40 years ago, we weren't working outside of the house before. And so you got your stuff done at home and you had the energy to bang your dude hardcore. I mean, bang it out. Now we work outside of the home and I'm equally as tired as Mm -hmm. my partner. And yet I still have to be a sex kitten. Good grief. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I I do think that we need to start rethinking that and just revisiting what the narrative of your relationship is anyway. You know, we need to move away from the, what we used to call traditional, like what you described, you know, he goes off to work and she stays home and raises the kids and maintains the household. There aren't very many relationships like that anymore. Both parties are having to work outside of the house or, you know, or somebody might be in the military, somebody might be deployed, people might work in different cities or different states, and there's just a lot of difference now. You know, women are professionals, and so they don't just have jobs anymore. They have professions that they've gone to school for and, and licenses and all of that, and so it's, it's, you know, these are things that they're very proud of and passionate about. I just think we need to redefine what we want our long-term relationships to be. And I don't necessarily want to call it marriage because a lot of people don't want that anymore. They don't think that they need that piece of paper to signify, hey, I'm in a healthy long-term relationship. I'm going to jot that down because I am interested in what this next generation values when they're talking about commitment. What does commitment look like? Mm -hmm. Does it mean a piece of paper? And the idea of the non-consensual monogamy, 
when you're choosing your partners and having that conversation, this next generation of sexual beings, are they looking for having multiple compatible partners in, in one relationship? So that would be an interesting conversation to have because you're right. We are moving away from what's known as traditional. It doesn't work for everybody and that's okay. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. I agree. Because it doesn't work for everybody. It doesn't work for a lot of people. I know it doesn't work for me. I wouldn't expect my partner to be everything to me and be always available for me. I don't expect that. And he doesn't expect that for me either. We're very career-driven people. And so that just has to be first and foremost in the relationship. We're very passionate about what we do. We have completely opposite type careers and we just support each other. And that's a part of the relationship. The fact that we really support each other. And speaking of supporting a career, I want to read something to you. Did you know that um, one of our justices passed away? I poured one out for her last night and cried. Legitimate tears rolling down my face. I was so sad. It was just a strange kind of sadness. You know, when I saw that caption, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, dead at 87. I was just like, whoa, she's supposed to live forever. I mean, what are you talking about? And so the reason why I'm reading this is because it goes along with what we were saying about being supportive. So her husband sent her this note right before he died. And this was June 17, 2010. My dearest Ruth, you're the first I loved in my life, setting aside a bit parents and kids and their kids. I've admired and loved you almost since the day we first met at Cornell some 56 years ago. What a treat it has been to watch you progress to the very top of the legal world. I read that and I was like, wow, that's love. And then that's somebody that supported his wife's career. And they were married for, well, this was in 2010, they were married 56 years. So, and I think that's about, he died right around that time. So imagine that being married almost 60 years and you hold your partner up on a pedestal with regards to their career. That was just awesome to me. So I had to have a picture of that. I'm keeping that caption. And that's how me and my partner feel about each other. Like we just, career is a big deal. The notorious OBG, I mean, seriously. Yeah, I'm going to have to read her biography. I don't want to hear about, I've already heard all of the, you know, the news outlets and everything. I want to actually read her history because I saw some of that and I'm, man, I didn't know this about this spectacular woman. She has paved the way for all of us. And so I have to read her biography. That's going to be one of my goals in the next month or so. I'll be right there with you. She was dynamic. And I know we're not to compare ourselves to others because that's just a fool's ambition. But all of the things that she did in her lifetime and her saying, I'm not going to retire. I can work until 90. And plus, I've already hired all of these people who are going to clerk for me. I can't very well retire and know that their ambition and their dreams are going to go to the wayside if I don't stick it out until 2020. Yes. That's dedication. Like, are you kidding Absolutely. me? She did her job. She more than did her job and the baton has been handed off. Truly. So, so on that note, so we can both be sad for a moment and we can take the, <laughs> take this time for 
our moment of silence in recognition of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and then her husband participating in elevating her to where she was in her profession. On that note, I don't have anything else for this episode. <laughs> Thanks. It was always a pleasure, Erin.